This is Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And right at the moment, Dennis, let's talk about your subject today, chamomile. And that's, of course, a European herb. That's correct, Jane. Last week we spoke <clears throat> about slippery almonds. I pointed out that is a famous American herb. And we, we spoke about slippery elm in relationship to its very significant um, healing and regulating effect on the bowel and the way in which in irritable bowel syndrome it tends to be a controller both of the diarrheic symptoms and the constipational symptoms. Remarkable remedy and the feedback that we had even in the practice people ringing in over the week confirmed the fact that many people know already about slippery elm and confirm its remarkable benefits for that aspect of irritable bowel. But I wanted to talk today about chamomile which is less well known uh, and the way in which in Europe as opposed to the United States, where it's not as well known, the way in which in Europe, in countries such as Germany in particular, chamomile is considered to be one of the most normalising, stabilising, antispasmodic, anti-colic remedy that can be used for treating what we call functional gut conditions. Now, let me just explain that. We mentioned earlier this condition known as irritable bowel syndrome, frequently abbreviated IBS. Now, People say, look, what is IBS? Well, anyone who's in medical practice or indeed in naturopathic practice would know that it is a very, very common presentation and essentially it is a syndrome. It's not what you call a disease that's characterised by any overt or dangerous pathology, but it has everything to do in which, or the way in which the gut dysfunctions and causes symptoms of colic, of spasm, constipation, of diarrhoea, abdominal bloating, etc. And yet when the, the patient is investigated by their medical practitioner or the gastroenterologist, um, gast scopes here and there, there's not found anything sinister, but yet these symptoms exist and they're distressing symptoms. And here the good news is, both in the literature, particularly the European literature, both in the literature and from the experience of clinical practice, both as mentioned by European medical practitioners using the herb chamomile or by naturopathic herbal medicine practitioners in this country using chamomile, it is one of the most remarkable remedies when taken in serious dosage on a regular way of overcoming many of those distressing secondary symptoms of bloating, of colic and spasm. And you put those two remedies together which we've been talking about that is slippery elm taken on a regular basis as a controller of transit time through the gut and chamomile brought into the picture as a remedy to deal with the spasm the colic and even mild inflammation and you have in two simple available herbs readily available from our pharmacies our health food stores our practices you have two herbs which can help people suffering that wretched condition which I believe is probably better treated using those gentle remedies, certainly initially, rather than going for heavy pharmaceutical stuff, which may not be necessary and might be more expensive. The gentler remedies here, in my opinion, should be handled first up as a means of getting control of this, which then gets back to the person concerned, the patient or the client, puts management back in their hands because they can then, by using these two remedies, begin to experience benefit and lessen their need, if you like, 
to place demands on the medical system, and that's the whole of my work has been to encourage people to begin to take responsibility, particularly for functional conditions like irritable bowel, that in my opinion can be well managed by simple herbs that we've mentioned. Now, chamomile, of course, mm. we know as a tea, it's mm. available in and tea bags. That's correct. Bags. And, and, and we're talking here about um, a German chamomile, a matricaria yeah, recuta is its botanical name and, and colloquially known as German chamomile. And it's interesting that uh, many of my patients and clients uh, that I see uh, relate uh, to chamomile, many of them coming from European countries, uh, fondly recollect uh, their usage as children, for instance, of using what was called chamomilla tea. Um, and particularly in places like Germany, it's very, very popularly used. And many younger uh, people, as, as babies, for instance, have been offered chamomile tea as a means of overcoming wind and colic and as a settling remedy. So it has a reputation that reaches right back to childhood in, in many situations. And it's the beautiful flower head of the chamomile that contains the active chemistry which leads to these benefits. Because here again, Jane, this is a good example of where a common wayside, historically used herb, proven over and over again, in modern times has been explained as to how it works. And it puts paid to a lot of the cynicism and the scepticism that's still out there regarding modern herbal medicine. As I've tried to point out on all my years of radio work and lecturing, modern herbal medicine has explanation behind it as to how many of these herbs that go back thousands of years, how they work, what makes them work. We've isolated the chemistry. We can see the active principles. And with chamomile, remarkably, in the flowers of chamomile, there are some beautiful substances known as bioflavonoids, and we've spoken frequently about bioflavonoids, and chamomile has a spectrum of bioflavonoids which are even named, which give credibility to the claims that are made for it being one of the most useful devices, and I say it again, for dealing with colic, spasm and bloating, and the regular daily use, two to three cups of chamomile tea, not just a pleasant tea to be enjoyed, and it can be enjoyed, but to be taken as medication in conjunction with the slippery elm is a remarkable way, in my opinion, and has been demonstrated and proven in my practice, to be able to get irritable bowel doing a lot better than what it is. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, that's on your mind, Roz, who's rung in from Raymond Terrace. Hello, Roz. Oh, hello. I, I just wanted to make a few inquiries about yes. IBS. Yes, yes. Um, I, um, I know my father suffered it for more than 50 years yes. and it basically killed him in the end. Mm. Um, two years ago, he passed away. Yes. Um, it deteriorated his bowel over yes. all those years yes. to the stage where, yes, it was paper thin and there was yes. nothing they could do. Um, now, many tests were done on him. Yes. Um, they basically said, you know, allergies. Yes. They tested him for this yes. and that. Yes. He yes. had an allergy. They said he had yes. an allergy for this. Somebody yes. said he yes. didn't have yes. an allergy. So yes. can you, do you, um, I mean, we have many in our family that yes. suffer this IBS. So yes. I'm just wondering if it can be a hereditary type of thing. Look, I have a particular uh, view on IBS, um, and it's my personal view based on my observation. Yes. I believe that as we, as we move through life, we, we bear with us a lot of the tendencies that are in our genes. I believe, uh -huh. I believe very, very strongly that many conditions flow through 
our genetic pathway. Um, mm-hmm. And I see it every day in practice, and I'm sure, I'm sure many medicos would agree with me on this, that frequently uh, daughter follows mother, son follows father. You see things flowing through. So in my opinion, uh, irritable bowel tends to reflect a lot of constitutional factors, um, things that we bring with us, our response from the nervous system, the way our digestive system functions. I believe that there's the possibility that that is related uh, genetically. Now, I know that's a big call, but uh, I see people that uh, are dominated by anxiety, and many of those people um, uh, come from a line, a family, that has been an anxious family. And interestingly, in other systems of medicine, particularly in Ayurvedic medicine, uh, this is well understood that these people have a particular uh, bioenergetic complexion, if you like, that reflects their family background. So I see see IBS uh, not so much associated, as I said earlier, with any dangerous or sinister pathology. Your father was well investigated and none was found. I, I see it as something that reflects our way that we relate to the environment, our anxiety factors, the chemistry of our digestion. And I treat it pragmatically by not trying to hunt down any minute explanation, but rather treating the symptoms, because my view is with IBS, you're more interested in fine-tuning the gut rather than than looking for some sinister pathology to cure or to excise. So I function pragmatically, and I've seen people that have gone for numerous investigations. They've been gastroscoped, colonscoped, uh, endoscoped. They've had allergy tests, heaps of investigations and money. And at the end of the day, they're still riddled with symptoms. My approach here is to take on board what you've said, that this condition can be a real problem. And in the end, it can be very distressing. But with what I've said already, with what I said already, and I stand by it because it's based on 40 years of testing this theory, the use of soothing the bowel well and soothing the bowel wall and promoting normal transit time through the gut with herbs such as slippery elm and addressing addressing some of the functional symptoms of, of, of digestive imbalance uh, with herbs like chamomile, and there are others, but primarily chamomile, I believe that little combination can bring many people relief, particularly in the earlier stages of the condition. I believe that it can flow through families. Um, yeah. Many many would controvert this, but I believe it can. I've seen it in practice, and inevitably, inevitably, I would be recommending to people like that that they search the literature and find that what I have said is soundly based, and it's not just based on my experience, but it's in the literature. The soothing capacity, the regulating capacity of simple slippery elm and the anti-inflammatory spasmolytic and uh, carminative effects of chamomile flowers ingested regularly, a great remedy, which I feel could have been able to help your dad. Yeah, no, I appreciate that because it seems to, I mean, we know that it's in our family. Yes. No one can specify that it yes. is genetically, yes. you know, hereditary. Yep, yep, yep. Um, we have uh, autism um, within mm-hmm. some of the children mm-hmm. in our family. Yes. Um, and we have through, we have actually been in genetic 
testing in yes. Newcastle yes. Yeah. Um, over in Waratah, and yeah. every time I mention irritable syndrome mm. um, is related to these children within yeah. the family that have yeah. the autism spectrum. Yes. Um, and I know, and I work with special needs kids, and I do believe that there is a connection there with autism and mm. bowel issues. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to get your opinion on that because yeah. we've got teenagers up yes. and coming yes. that are coming down with this within yeah. our family, knowing that, you know, two years ago, after 50 years of struggling and with testing and all yes. the rest of it, yeah. my father passed away. So yes. that's the grandfather, great-grandfather figure yeah. Yeah. that yeah. I don't want these children to go through. Yeah. Well, um, remember what I've said, Ros, yeah. this is a, a controversial and it's a personal opinion. But based on my reading, assessment, consulting people over many years and seeing benefit from what I prescribe. My first patient in New Lambton yesterday was an elderly woman who has been on this approach uh, with, the, with the slippery almond using a formula based on chamomile and her husband's parting words were, you've changed a life. Now, I don't say that to boast. I say that because this confirms that in many situations, my rationale, my interpretation works. And I don't care whether I'm right or... Well, I do care whether I'm right or wrong, but the interpretation allows me to treat pragmatically and give people a degree of relief from a condition that's controversial, not well understood, where hypotheses, in my opinion, are probably more important than specific explanations. Now, gut is on the mind of Robert, who's rung in from Barnsley as well. That's right, Robert. Yeah, hello, Jane, uh, Dennis. Hello, Barnsley. Um, yeah, I, I travelled overseas, lived overseas for three years. Yes, and, yes. Uh, contracted some sort of gut problem over yes. there. I never got checked out until yes. I got back to Australia and, yes. and I found out I had blastocystis. So yes. I was three or four courses of antibiotics, I think it was metronide. Yes. And I've uh, listened to your program and mm. heard you give advice to other callers yes. and I got onto Pathé Clear, Garlic Pearls and Golden Seal. Uh, still got the symptoms and just got checked again and found out it's still there. So he's given me a course of Simplican now. Yep. I'm just wondering what sequence should I take this one dose? It's four tablets you take in one dose. Uh, with all the other stuff I'm taking that I've heard okay. you recommend. Uh, is this a new script that your doctor has prescribed, is it? Yes. Look, what I'd be doing here, Robert, is to, to clear the deck to give uh, this medication a chance to see how far it will go in resolving the situation. I would advise you to curtail the other complementary medicine you might be using um, for, two right. for two reasons. Uh, it could be a bit of a, a confusion issue there as to um, what was working or what might not be working. And your good doctor is prescribed on the, on the presumption that um, he's been given a free hand to try to get rid of this for you. So for the time being, I'd pull back on the complementary medicines, which, remember, are very much slower in their action and very much uh, less specific than the medication okay. your doctor might have prescribed. So I would yeah. do that. And, and also, always keep in mind that... Even though herbs are fairly benign substances, you always need to be cautious of interaction and know your stuff. When a doctor has prescribed something like a medication like that, you need to be sure that particularly herbs like golden seal, which has a very strong alkaloid in it, has no potential to interact, upset or augment what you're doing. So for the time being, I'd back off, give your doctor a good chance to work with this, see how it goes, 
If that doesn't do the trick, I, I'd revert back to what you're doing, but then recontact me even on radio, and I can tell you what other things perhaps to use if that combination of the amazing golden seal with garlic and other things hasn't helped you as much as what you would like. Okay, yeah, I just heard your previous comment too. I just wonder how much this might be the cause of irritable bowel. Oh, very you much know, so. Like a very, like very, very much so. In fact, uh, one could talk all day about the, the theories behind irritable bowel, but there's a strong theory suggesting that IBS, the symptoms of it, can be triggered off by a gut infection and that the, 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 the term irritable is a very appropriate term because I try to explain to patients that what it really implies is that the gut has been irritated. It's um, not inflamed even, but perhaps irritated as a result of the assault on it that has occurred as a result of, of a, a viral, bacterial, or even a fungal infection. And this, by the way, where there is that suspected background, this is where herbs such as golden seal, uh, the, the, the herb barberry, which is popularly used in Asia, uh, particularly those herbs that contain what's called the berberine alkaloid, are very useful in addressing this background that might exist in some IBS patients where there is a suspicion that an unresolved or even a resolved infection of the gut has triggered off the symptoms. Okay, once I take these tablets, would it be wise to, after a few days, then go back on these other things, maybe to well, what help I, knock it out? What I, I believe very strongly in the ability of complementary medicine to work quietly and inauspiciously, but over a period of time. What I would be suggesting is let your doctor determine what the status is that has occurred as a result of prescribing this. Okay. Depending on how this goes, you might be advised just to use some slippery elm. If it hasn't done the job, discuss what we've been talking about with your GP, who, who is likely to say, well, look, nothing else has worked, give it a go. And then I okay. would say with his concurrence and, concurrence and monitoring, it wouldn't be a bad idea to try it then. Thanks very much for your call, Robert, 49216216. And a slight change of tack here. Barry's rung in from Corlett, and uh, it's all about chemo and ovarian cancer and some help to do with that. Hello, Barry. Yes, hello. Yeah, I just wanted to find out if there was anything you know that made assistance to a person with ovarian cancer and currently undergoing chemo. Uh She started supplements in the last week or so, but I don't know which supplements. Okay. A couple of things I would say here, Barry, if it's, it's your daughter or wife, is it? No. Okay. Anyway, um, with the, with the um, lady concerned, anything that she uh, is or might contemplate using should be run past uh, her oncologist because, again, again, sometimes, sometimes complementary medicine may interact with some of the chemotherapy that's prescribed. You need to know your stuff in order to make sure that um, you, the, the patient gets the best deal. Now, having said that, having said that, it's not uncommon for me after taking a case, uh, and, and by that I mean getting all the details of the nature of the therapy that the lady is having, to recommend um, two appro- or one major approach. Uh, that is, first of all, to seek to support the immune system when it's going through chemotherapy, and in my opinion, in my opinion... Um, the combination that we frequently mention, known as astragalus 8, yep. is a useful agent 
and is probably well known by some oncologists in this town because many of their patients have used it and they would know something about it. But it would be a, a remedy that I would at least be thinking about mentioning to the oncologist as an agent that tends to work with the immune system and make, make the patient's immunology um, a little bit more stable and a little bit more yeah. recovering. Um, so that would be something I'd mention, but also... Uh, this is not well known, but some bioflavonoids. Now, you would have heard me talk about bioflavonoids. Sometimes people think that I go over the top with them, but bioflavonoids are remarkable substances. And um, I have lectured on uh, one of the bioflavonoids called quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. Now, quercetin has been shown to have some useful augmenting effects on some chemotherapeutic drugs. And uh, I can see the book in front of me now where the references are, and if you were to send a stamp-addressed envelope to my rooms at 39 Alban Road, I can send you the information on quercetin. Um, It is a bioflavonoid, an exciting bioflavonoid, that is considered to augment uh, some chemotherapy. Um, By virtue of being a bioflavonoid, it's very unlikely to interact or interfere with chemotherapy. There are two things that I would be thinking about. There are many other things, of course, and you have to be cautious here. But uh, you keep in mind that taking a lot of things is not necessarily the best way to go. That is confusion. And I know many people with cancer uh, reach for anything that they feel might help them. Sometimes that is a waste of time and sometimes it's confusing and sometimes it can even engender symptoms of discomfort. It is specific complementary medicine, which is important in a condition like this, and as such should be run past the person that's carrying out the chemotherapy so that there is an understanding of what's going on. Thank you for ringing in, Barry. Now, um, it seems that Jan has rung in from Hunterview and uh, irritable bowel syndrome again, Jan. Yes, yes. I First of all, I'd like to say thank you to Dennis for his programs every Friday and how much I enjoy them all. Thank you, Jan. Now, uh, Dennis, I've been a sufferer for over 50, well, about 50 years yes. that I can put it back down to. And i like to confirm that I've had the theory too, is that it does run in families. Yes, and yes. a lot of it is due to, as you say, the way of life yes. and stress Correct. related. Correct. Because as a child, I grew up as a very nervous child due to my father. And it sort of carried right through to my life until he died when I was 50 years old. Um, But first of all, too, is that um, apart from having the IBS, it's also diverticular and also colitis. Yes. Now, Crohn's is also, too, into that equation. Yes, yes, I know them well. Well, yeah, so do I. I think we all do. And now, um, because I have been now diagnosed with polymyalgia rheumatica, I also too think that's all part of, which is interlinked with the the Crohn's, which I've just found out. My question is, mainly on the polymyalgia, is, um, is that treatable by naturopathic way, please? Okay. Look, your doctor probably has you on a low dose of prednisolone. Oh, yes. I might seem a little bit um, unusual in talking this way, but mm-hmm. polymyalgia rheumatica is not an easy condition to treat. And no. It, it's, the best results that I have seen, to be fair, mm-hmm. do, do come 
from a chronic exposure to a low dose of steroid. Now, that, yeah. that might sound rather unusual coming from someone from me, but really isn't unusual because you would appreciate that I appreciate mainstream medicine as well as I do naturopathic medicine. Exactly. Uh, my, my wife periodically has to use a low dose of steroid. I'm not opposed to it. And in this case, I'd set your sails to the mast and say, right, the good doctor that I'm, that I'm working under is doing the right thing here. I'm getting some relief. Once you start to wind down off the uh, the, the low-dose steroid, in mm-hmm. my opinion, that's the time to look at ways and means of making sure the comfort is, is sustained. Ah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I did ask her now, she is a um, rheumatologist, naturally, yes, sure. that does look outside her square, and yeah. that was one of the questions I yeah, asked. Yeah. Can I treat this in a naturopathically yeah. way? And at the moment, she, well, she said, no, I'm actually on 9 milligrams per day. I was well, on she, 15. She, she will be... I'm sure, moving towards that 5MG and, and maybe even lower. And some patients can walk away from the condition. Uh, you know, when you get around about 5MGs, uh, if you can trickle down to one or two, um, in my opinion, so what? That's the time when you're probably so free of symptoms reasonably, then you can try some other remedies, one of which would be astragalus, particularly reinforced by a good quality curcumin anti-inflammatory. And it's interesting, Dennis, that a lot of them have been about the mm. gut, basically. It's a, ve- a very common problem, uh, Jane, as we intimated at the beginning of the program, so I'm not surprised. It's, it's a very good program today because this condition is widely experienced. And Barbara has rung in on the same topic mm. from Mount Hutton. Barbara? Yes, hello. How are you? Hello, Barbara. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, and I enjoy your program, Dennis. Thank you, you, Barbara. Now, um, I have IBS symptoms. I've had them for for about two years. Yes. They're getting worse. I'm 82 years of age. I've never had any trouble with food before and all at once. I was told by the dietician I shouldn't have garlic and I shouldn't have onion, and everything's got that in it. Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, and um, I have been taking slippery elm, but I've been taking the capsules. Okay. Um, I'll comment um, here. Um, with uh, I'm not in any way at all disputing what your good dietitian has told mm-hmm. you, but I have problems with um, aspects of dietary restriction. I've mm-hmm. n- never, I've never been impressed with them, and this is controversial, and it's an opinion. Uh, I respect entirely the work the dietitians do. Where would we be without them? But Mm -hmm. with irritable bowel syndrome, again, I come back to the point that I tend to be more pragmatic pragmatic and say, look, this person has eaten these things all of their life. Um, if, If possible, ensure that they can continue to enjoy those things and try to get round the problem. And, and the way that I would be, again, here, uh, is suggesting that you actually deal with the symptoms of distress initially in the two simple ways that I have said. Use the slippery elm to soothe the gut wall, which in itself addresses what I call the irritability factor, and begin to use it, and, and use it in sensible levels. By that I mean one or two capsules of slippery elm a day, in my opinion, is just playing with it. You need to, in my opinion, be looking at using the powder mm-hmm. and using at least a teaspoonful of the powder a couple of times a day to, to take it seriously as, as medication. That's mm-hmm. where you could be falling down. And in conjunction with that, to start with, to start with, I'd be introducing a chamomile in, either as, a, as a, an infusion, a tea, 
or preferably, preferably uh, getting hold of what's called the liquid extract, which is a more sophisticated and medical way of conveying um, uh, chamomile to you. Um, they're two things that I would be suggesting, but I have a formula for IBS which incorporates the with chamomile but also blends with it other appropriate remedies like the American herb wild yam and the American herb cramp bark. Put those together in a liquid extract formula and it's very common to get the response that I spoke about earlier with a patient for whom that sort of prescribing had changed their life. I'm not putting down what your good dietitian has said, not at all. All I'm saying is that I think that there's a basis for looking at the symptoms and seeing how you can address them from a different perspective, and perhaps what I've said today might be useful for you. And that's an interesting aspect. Thank mm. you, Barbara, for your call. Peter has rung in from Woodbury. Now, your wife has a severe gallbladder problem, and that affects her bowels too, Peter. Uh, yes, um Actually, she had a gallbladder out uh, yes. about seven years yes. ago. Yes. But since then, she's um, as soon as she has a meal, she has to go to the toilet, and she's going approximately about six times a day. Mm. We're wondering whether that is from the, having the gallbladder out, and and what she could take to ease that sort okay. of thing. Now, the first thing I would ask Peter is that you've had this obviously investigated by by your doctor. Yes, we've had to talk to the doctor. And uh, what's the interpretation that you had medically as to, as to this? Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Because <laughs> there, there's, there's, there's a possibility, of course, that there, there's an underlying cause here associated with either the procedure or the leftover of the procedure. I might just throw something in here interesting. Very interesting with gallbladder uh, procedures that very frequently a patient that has the gallbladder out for some time will experience very similar symptoms of gallbladder colic that caused to have the gallbladder be taken out. What, what, I, would, what I would be suggesting is a couple of little things, and they're simple things and inexpensive. Um, I'd start to use some slippery elm because what slippery elm does is tend to regulate transit time. That has a good ability to, to, to slow down the, the bowel frequency. And now there are two remedies which in every case of bowel incontinence and bowel frequency that I recommend. And uh, one of them is a very uh, famous herb called bilberry, which is mainly used for eye conditions, but the liquid extract of the leaf has a remarkable effect on diarrheic tendencies and is a primary remedy in a combination that I prescribe in conjunction with a herb that is not well known. In fact, I would probably be the only herbalist that I'm aware of in Australia using it, and yet it's such a remarkable herb, well-defined in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, exactly for this condition. And this is a herb called Greater Burnet. Now, a combination of those two herbs in a liquid form, and you would have noted them, in conjunction with Slippery Elm, might be worthwhile trying. I make no promises, but the treatment is very... Very simple, not, exper not expensive. It would be worthwhile running it past your GP, but also try to get to the bottom of, hey, what happened with the procedure? Did something happen that can explain this frequency? It might be just an unfortunate uh, idiopathic response to the procedure of frequency, and if that's the case, the slippery elm, plus those strong astringent herbs that I've mentioned 
in liquid form might help your dear wife. And all the best with that, Peter. And time for just one more and a quick one, Lee, is your question about gallstones. A quick question. Hello, Lee. Okay. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well Just a quick one. Yes, yes. Uh, my wife has got a gallstone and yes. she has is, is having her gallbladder removed in a month. Yes. Now, she's getting the, the real bad spasms. Like she's saying, it's worse than childbirth. Yes. Um, she's on Panadol. It's not really yes. helping. Okay. Will the uh, the chamomile possibly? No, look, the herb you should use here, interestingly, is the herb peppermint. And oh, okay, I, yes. It, it, it is remarkable. In fact, gallbladder colic is one of the main indications for the medical use of peppermint. Now, start off by a good quality peppermint tea that you can get from your health food store or pharmacy. Three to four, yes. three to four cups of that a day may well indeed lessen the intensity of the colic associated with your wife's condition. Right, okay. So, peppermint for you, Lee. It <laughs> sounds great. Thank you very much. Okay, thank and, you, Lee. And uh, we're getting close to the end. Uh, Dennis Stewart, very close to the mm. end, but it's been a good discussion on a Wonderful IBS. day, wonderful day. And me. we do have a winner for the draw of for a Stiff Sore and Sorry pack, and that is Jan from Hunter View. You can pick that pack up from Dennis Stewart's rooms in New Lambton. Dennis Stewart, we look forward to seeing you next week, next Friday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.